What up, dope? This your boy Josh Williams. This is the Hill Turn Podcast, where we be changing the business, we be changing the world. Shout out to Kenny Omega. You feel me? And this is the best of wrestling, March 16th, 2018. Again, like I said, I go by the name of your boy. Got my best AJ Styles impression. Me and Carl Anderson has been boys. Um, we got some good rumors. We got some juicy rumors. Outside of the rumors, I am going to talk about my favorite faction in wrestling ever. The greatest faction ever in everdom. In ever in everdom. The NWO. We're going to talk about the conception, the members, and basically what I can remember about NWO growing up and everything else. So, without further ado, let's get into these rumors, man. Let's get it. And these are the rumors for the week of March 17th, 2018. Excuse me. Ring of Honor has updated the the match card for their event. The uh, Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor. The joint promoted uh, pay-per-view. The joint uh, cross-promoted pay-per-view with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, you're having the Bullet Club Civil War with Kenny Omega versus Cody. Then you have Dalton Castle versus Marty Scroll for the Ring of Honor title. Then you have Punishment Martinez versus Aishi. Then you will have the semifinals and the final matchup of the Women's Woman uh, of Honor. Uh, you know, that's the uh, women's version of Ring of Honor. They've been having a little tournament going for the first ever championship. Um, and I think it's pretty dope. That's the uh, updated card so far. Um, I think... Uh, this will do very well. I think it's sold out already. Um, I'm more hyped to see there's two matches that I really want to see. Kenny Omega versus Cody and uh, Dalton Castle versus Marty Scroll. I wouldn't mind, you know what I'm 
understand seeing that. That would be dope as hell to me. Those two matches. And I would love to see Marty Scroll win the Ring of Honor title. Which would be dope. Um, I think he he's over enough. He was over without the Bullet Club. Um, he just it just solidified his overness when he uh, joined the Bullet Club, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I think uh, Super Cardamom is going to be real good. And in other news, coming from the WWE, TBS is going to do a WWE versus GLOW. Uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, the television show, uh, this out. It's going to be on Drop the Mic. And it's going to be Nikki Bella, Brie Bella, Carmella, and Alicia Fox in the Rock the Mic. You know, where they lip sync, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Or, or no, Drop the Mic is down. The freestyle battle, I'm sorry. So they're doing a freestyle battle. Um, against the Ladies of Glove. like I want to watch it anyway. I'm just <laughs> maybe somebody listening to the podcast may want to watch that. So hey I guess if we're into that type of thing you can watch it. But um I'm moving on, move forward. Other news coming from the WWE as well. Ronda Rousey was recently advertised to appear on every Raw leading up into WrestleMania of this year. Well, Ronda Rousey missed this Monday's Monday Night Raw. As it was reported that Ronda Rousey was never supposed to be in Detroit. She was in Pittsburgh doing medical testing. I don't know who put that out there. I don't know who leaked it. I don't know how it came out there. Or if they had a meeting on Ronda coming to each and every Raw leading up to WrestleMania. Um, I wouldn't really like to see her at every WrestleMania, uh, at every Raw, I meant to say, excuse me, if she's not going to do anything physical, if she's not going to have a match. Mind you, you guys are trying to get us to guys are trying to sell us on her being a full-time gal, a full-time wrestler, and she hasn't really did anything physical but put Stephanie in the Samoan uh, drop. So, I really don't know. I don't feel like she has to be at every Raw. Do I want her to be at every Raw? Hell yeah. But do I think it, it's gonna? Do I think she should be there and not do anything? No, she should come there at least have a match on Raw. Make make you guys are pushing that she's gonna be a big star in the WWE. Why not have her first match on Raw? I would save that for the go go home uh, episode the week before Raw. I would have her first match in uh, that night against like a 
not not a like a Mickey James or somebody. And then um, so you can see what she looks like before WrestleMania, which I think that match would be kind of dope. But hey, I'm enjoying it. And other news coming out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Access Television CEO reported that the Alpha versus Omega match that was held at Wrestle Kingdom 12 is the highest rated New Japan Pro Wrestling offer in Access history. With Access Television being a private company, they really don't give out their viewership numbers. But it was said by him in the interview that it was higher than last year's Wrestle Kingdom 11, which featured the Okada of the Omega match. Um, the Strong Style Evolved, excuse me, pay-per-view will be New Japan Pro Wrestling's second trip to the U.S., and Access Television is planning to have the show live and it will feature a main event between the Golden Lovers with Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi and the Young Bucks. Um, I'm really excited for that. Like I um, said in other podcasts, this place or the match where they're having the place at is sold out. I just heard that they've reached capacity. I'm surprised that they'll be able to have all those people that they're supposed to have in the match there. So, um, I think this is going to be a good match between the Young Bucks and the Golden Lovers, Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. I think this will probably be one of the best tag team matches in really a long time. It has the uh, capability of doing such. With that being said, I think that these guys are going to make the 5,000 or 6,000 seat place burst open at the seams. And I think it's cool that they're still having Kenny and the Young Bucks. As far as everything else, pretty much cool, but they know they're going against each other, so. I'm really digging it. I really dig when New Japan Pro comes over to the United States, too. So they can basically show, like, they're trying to be international. And I can dig it, man. You gotta step out sometimes. And just not do it on the island, as Tomatonga says. So, I'm pretty cool with that. And shout out to Access Television for getting, you know what I'm saying, New Japan Pro Wrestling on TV. So, guys like me, on a weekend, I might not have nothing to do. You guys have marathons on Access Television. So, congratulations to Access Television. You dig. In other news coming from the WWE, WWE announced on this past Raw this past Monday that there will be a women's battle royal akin to the Andre 
the giant memorial battle royal dedicated to the fabulous moolah. WWE and WrestleMania sponsors Snickers caught immediate backlash due to long-standing rumors of abusive behavior by the Hall of Famer towards her students and performers who worked for her promotion, Girl Wrestling Entertainment, or simply GWE. How does this make me feel? Am I upset that they took the name out? If I if I was her family, I, I definitely would. I, I definitely will be upset because they were simply accusations. They were never brought to a trial or they were never tried. So for them to pretty much kill her shit because you know because of some allegations I feel like you guys went through all the trouble already by giving her a video package about the battle royal so why take her name off of it now you're just calling it the women's Wrestlemania battle royal in which, by the way, I don't know if I failed to mention that all brand women are in it. NXT, um, SmackDown, Raw, anybody can be in it. You might probably will see some more. Some more, I feel like, some more surprise entrants like they did at Royal Rumble this past year. But, like I said, if I was a fan of this family knowing that the woman is 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 dead and gone not trying to say it like that and she really can't defend herself that's a bitch move to me in my opinion like I always will love WWE I will always fuck with WWE I will always watch it but because the content for other wrestling you don't really get it like that. I watch New Japan Pro Wrestling when I can. If I can catch it on YouTube or catch it on Access TV. But you could, it, WWE is so accessible to me, in my opinion. So, hey. But. Rest in peace to the fabulous Moolah. I'm sipping this drink. Point a little bit out for. Rest in peace, famous Moolah. I'm sorry. This is your personal life. I had to get brought up and those bitch ass fans said something to Snickers um, and WWE so I could give a fuck about the battle royal now so anyways
And that was the rumors for March 16th, 2018. The week of March 16th, 2018, I'd rather say. And now I'm going to go into this segment where I talk about one of my favorite factions growing up. One of the favorite reasons I grew up loving wrestling. The New World Order. So I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm going to tell you basically the concept, who came up with it, and all the players that were involved. So, without further ado, the NWO storyline was an idea created by WCW exec Eric Bischoff when he was attending New Japan Pro Wrestling Battle Formation show in 1996. The show was headlined by a New Japan Pro Wrestling versus UWFI match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Eric Bischoff wanted to do an invasion type angle where WCW was being invaded by another wrestling formation. I meant to say promotion, I'm sorry. Initially insinuated to be the WWF slash WWE at this time. You have to say WWE or you get think about the Animal Foundation. But anyway, since the founding members, Hogan, Nash, and Hall all came from the WWF. Kevin Nash, Craig Leathers, Terry Taylor, Kevin Sullivan, and Paul Orndorff all contributed their ideas to the NWO concept as well. Paul and Nash wrestled their final matches for the WWF as Diesel and Razor Ramon, and eight days later, after his last match with the company, he arrived on Monday Nitro and delivered his famous Do You Want a Roar speech. Over the week, Nash and Hall, you know, with Nash just signing, challenged Bischoff to a six-man match at that year's Bash at the Beach, and their third man will be revealed at the pay-per-view, and they will be going against Sting, Macho Man, and Lex Luger. During within the match, you know, Lex Luger got hurt. Um, he Well, kayfabe, you know, fake, ended up getting injured. And it left two, so it made the two-on-two match. You know, all the guys had their face painted like Sting and everything, so it was pretty dope. And then Hulk Hogan comes walking down the aisle. He gets in the ring. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, gets out of the ring. He does his whole flexing and all that hoopla. Hot, hot dogging and grandstanding. Like how um, Macho Man says, that was probably a horrible Macho Man, but rips the shirt, goes into the corner, boom, leg drop to Macho Man Randy Savage. Gets up again, boom, leg drop to Macho Man and Randy Savage. I say and Randy Savage like his two people. Anyway. After that, that was a big shift in wrestling because Hulk Hogan was known as a man that was a babyface for damn near 30 years. They went on and on to, you know, reign supreme at WCW. 
They even spawned off groups like the BWO, the LWO, the Latina World Order. Uh, they branched off and they even did stuff with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Growing up as a kid from 1996, probably about 2000, 2001, if you were a wrestling fan and you were a kid, you would see NWO shirts at dances, school, grocery stores, games, movies. Um, the NWO shirt was big growing up when I grew up in that time of wrestling. They were always viewed as a separate entity. Like WCW was WCW, but NWO was NWO. And they treated it like such, even to the point where they had NWO Nitro, Monday Night Nitro. And they had uh, an NWO pay-per-view. I think it was at Grand Rapids or Cedar Rapids. If I wasn't mistaken, uh, sold out. So they really tried their best to separate or make it like a separate entity, as you will, from WCW. And they pretty much pushed it like NWOs, NWO, WCWs, and WCW. Um, the members in NWO include Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Ted DiBiase, The Giant, X-Pac, Virgil, Eric Bischoff, Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, Bret Hart, Randy Savage, Dennis Rodman, Kurt Henning, um, you had the Wolfpack, which had Conan, Sting, Lex Luger, and that was headed up by Kevin Nash, you had Jeff Jarrett, let me see if I'm forgetting anybody, you had Scott Steiner, Big Papa Pump. Ming was in there for a little bit. And that's about it, I think. They had so many, like you had the NWO, then they split up to NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. And then they ended up getting back together and they made NWO League. B Team, NWO 2000, which was a lot. I feel like NWO was a major influence as far as shifting the culture in wrestling because when you had NWO with WCW, you had DX at WWE, which I think was dope because at the end of the day the click was split up but the click was still the click you just had the click north with Triple H and Shawn Michaels and then you had a click south with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash so the click really split up 
but they divided and conquered. But NWO to me will forever go down as one of the greatest factions because of the impact that the guys left, the lasting impact that they have. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I thought it was great that the Bullet Club was too sweet and it was basically like me growing up and and living through that era and and watching WCW religiously because like I said, I'm a good old Southern boy. Watching those religiously and, and seeing NWO from its conception to Bash at the Beach Bash at the Beach when they brought Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone in against uh, Carl Malone and um, Dallas Dallas uh, Dallas Page Diamond Dallas Page I'm sorry DVP in the tag team match to when they split up like I said to Hollywood and Wolf Pack to when they got back together with Elite to when Hulk Hogan was basically trying to do his own thing and they had the uh, NWO 2000 team I saw it all to when it just crumbled all to hell I saw it all so to see the Bullet Club basically the Bullet Club to me was a cover band or a cover tribute to NWO. It was just the Bullet Club, in my opinion, was a more athletic, more brash, more, more, more tenacious group than NWO. But they have similar similarities between themselves until the WWE pooped on their parade because they basically made them look like idiots any chance that they got. But I think it was dope that the Bullet Club was around. And you can tell when I say that NWO is the best group, not because of a hand gesture, not because of a t-shirt, but just the lasting impact that those guys like Fergal Devitt, Prince Devitt, Finn Balor, whoever you want to call them, and Carl Anderson, you know, came up with this group akin to NWO. They basically changed. It was like Kevin Nash when Luke Gallows had a match with Global Force Wrestling and came out. You can YouTube it if you would like and came out the match and gave him the two sweet and saluted him. At that moment, it was like he was passing the torch to Bullet Club. So, Bullet Club is the NWO of my niece and nephew's generation. And I don't think the Bullet Club would be possible None of the success, the popularity, or anything that the Bullet Club is having in the U.S. and Japan would be possible without NWO. Because they were a great focal point to top off of, to, you know, to try to match, to try to top. 
and I will forever be grateful to the guys at WCW, to Egg Bischoff, to Paul Arndorf, to Kevin Nash, to Kevin Sullivan, to Terry Taylor, to Craig Leathers, because they basically came up with the perfect storyline, even to the point where WWE was threatening to sue because Bischoff was basically trying to promote interpromotional matches between the company, and it wasn't as such. So, I think it's fucking dope, like I said, for NWO to have happened well over... Well over 20 years. That we'll still be able to talk about and, and think about the NWO. And that's because they have a lasting, you know, a lasting presence. They had this presence about themselves that we were the baddest motherfuckers in the room. We're the coolest, hippest, trippest thing in wrestling right now, bruh. And you got to deal with it. If not, get ran the fuck over or get down with us. And half of them got down because, like I said, I just named about 30 motherfuckers. So... I would like to thank and give the NWO the famous hand clap, the salute to the NWO, Kevin Nash, the founding father, Scott Hall, the other founding father, and Hulk Hogan, the Hollywood Hulkster. I never really liked Hulk Hogan's persona as the take your vitamins and drink milk guy. I loved Hulk Hogan as a heel. I love Hollywood Hulk Hogan. So, shouts out to him for... And NWO did works before I, I, I end the segment. NWO did miracles for Hulk Hogan. That's why they keep on... The, the, the people of the modern era, in my era, the PG era, the WWE Universe era, keep saying to turn John Cena heel is because it worked the miracles for Hulk Hogan. And if you look at it, before Hulk Hogan turned heel with NWO, he wasn't even at that point really doing that much with WCW at that point. So, like I said, it was a big revitalization to his career too. Because at some point, after being a, a, a babyface for 30 years, your, your character gets stale after, year, after the years go by. So, like I said, we're going to give the NWO a two-sweep first, and then give them the biggest fucking hand clap that we can ever give anybody in life. So... There you go. Too sweet. And it's NWO. And if you NWO, you're down for life. This is the end of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. My name 
is Joshua Williams. This has been the Heel Turn Podcast, where we be changing the business, we be changing the world. Shout out to Kenny Omega. Hit me up on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash JDCW13. Instagram, Twitter, at Josh Ventrill. And you can hit me up in any topics or anything that you guys want to me to talk about. I will talk about it. So, without further ado, I must bid you adieu. And then our Lord and Savior of Wrestling, Kenny Omega, would say goodbye. <laughs>